Section 53 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3 by George W. M. Reynolds. Section 53. Lord Ellingham's Exertions. Not a cry, not a word not even a moan betrayed the feelings of the earl of ellingham as this frightful spectacle met his eyes he was paralyzed stunned stupefied despair was in his heart and he could not lower his glances which were fascinated riveted by that awful engine of death on the summit of the jail this state of complete prostration of all the intellectual energies was suddenly interrupted by a gentle pull at his sleeve and turning abruptly round he beheld by the pale light of the moon a young lad of sickly appearance standing at his elbow do you know me what would you with me demanded the earl sharply yes my lord i know you was the answer delivered in a mournful melancholy tone and i also know that good generous man who the lad burst into an agony of tears and pointed wildly towards the gibbet oh you know rainford exclaimed the earl eagerly tell me my boy speak have you seen him lately this day this evening replied jacob smith for it was he and i have taken leave of him for ever he begged me not to visit him to-morrow for ever echoed the earl in a low and hollow voice but he continued again speaking eagerly and rapidly how does he support his doom with the courage such as the world has seldom seen replied jacob and he frequently speaks of you my lord he speaks of me my boy yes my lord he speaks that some tidings some evil reports which you have probably heard have sent you against him for he received a letter from you a day or two after his arrest my god he suspects me of coldness exclaimed the earl in an impassioned tone oh i must see him i must see him this moment and he was rushing toward the governor's door when jacob again caught him by the sleeve saying it is useless my lord you cannot be admitted to-night the keeper of the prison dare not refuse me cried the earl and he hastened to the door would it not be better my lord asked jacob who had followed him to use the valuable time now remaining for the purpose of saving him true exclaimed the earl struck by the observation an interview with him at this moment would effect no good and would only unman me altogether come with me my lad you take an interest in rainford and you shall be the first to learn the result of the application which i will now make in the proper quarter thus speaking arthur hurried back to the hackney coach and as the door closed upon himself and jacob he said to the driver in a firm tone to the home office during the ride the earl put a thousand questions to jacob smith relative to the convict from the answers he received it appeared that rainford was well convinced that neither sir christopher blunt nor mr curtis had directed mr howard to prosecute him for the robbery for which he was doomed to suffer indeed they had declared as much when giving their evidence at the police court and at the old bailey neither did he believe that howard had instituted the proceedings 
through any personal motive of spite but he entertained the conviction that some secret and mysterious springs had been set in motion to destroy him and that howard had been made the instrument of the fatal design it seemed that jacob had visited him as often as the prison regulations would permit and that he had been the bearer of frequent letters between rainford and the beautiful jewess who had removed from brandon street a few days after his arrest this change of residence being effected by the express wishes of tom rain who was afraid lest the malignity of his unknown enemies might extend to herself jacob also casually mentioned that the very first time he had been sent to see the jewess which appeared to have been the morning after lord ellingham's laconic letter was received by rainford she enclosed a number of papers in a packet which she carefully sealed and which jacob conveyed to the prisoner when i was with him this evening added the lad he gave me that packet which he redirected to your lordship and desired me to leave it at your lordship's residence to-morrow when all should be over but since i have thus unexpectedly met you sobs choked the youth's utterance as he passed the sealed packet to the earl who received it in profound silence for well did he divine the nature of its contents and his heart was rent with anguish as he felt all the generosity of that deed on thy part tom rain but in a few moments the spark of hope that already scintillated within him was fanned into a bright and glowing flame for he now possessed proofs to convince the secretary of state that in allowing the law to take its course an individual rightly entitled to an earldom would suffer death and arthur was well aware of the influence which such an argument would have in supporting his appeal for the commutation of the sentence thy generous act in giving up the papers which thou mightest have used to save thy life he thought within himself apostrophizing his doomed half-brother shall not be thrown away on me ingratitude to thee were impossible then turning to jacob he said aloud i am much mistaken my boy if these papers which you have placed in my hands will not affect the great object that we have in view oh my lord exclaimed jacob with the most sincere joyfulness of manner is there really so much hope ah if not for him at least for that poor lady who loves him so deeply has she seen him hastily inquired the earl once once only answered jacob and that was this afternoon i was not present at the farewell scene but i was in the neighbourhood when she came out again and i do not wish ever to witness a beautiful woman's grief again my lord i have passed through much seen much and distress and misery in all their worst forms are known to me but as long as i live will the image of that poor creature as the wind blew aside her veil for a few moments oh i cannot bear to think of it he shall be restored to her my lad exclaimed the earl emphatically the more i ponder upon the case the more firmly do i become convinced that it is one in which the home secretary may exercise the prerogative of mercy it is not as if blood had been shed at this moment the hackney-coach 
stopped at the door of the home office and the earl alighted bidding jacob await his return but what language can describe the violence of that sudden revulsion of feeling which arthur experienced when on inquiry he learnt that the home secretary was neither at his official nor his private residence in london as he had set out on the preceding evening for his country seat in the north of england with the rapidity of lightning did the earl calculate the chances of overtaking him by means of fleet horses but a few moments reflection showed him the impossibility of accomplishing that undertaking in time to make its result supposing it were successful available to the doomed victim the reprieve might be granted but it would arrive in london too late the earl was well aware that it was useless to seek the prime minister as that functionary would have no alternative save to reply that he could not possibly interfere in a case so essentially regarding the department of the home secretary arthur's mind was accordingly made up in a very few moments he would repair at once to the king who as he learnt at the home office was fortunately for his purpose at buckingham palace it was now ten o'clock at night there were but ten hours before him but in that interval much might be done returning to the coach he desired to be driven to his own house and while proceeding thither he acquainted jacob with the cruel disappointment he had sustained by the absence of the secretary of state and stated his resolution to repair at once to the dwelling of the king thus the poor wretched lad became by his generous sympathy for tom rain the companion and confidant of the great noble great was the joy which prevailed amongst the earl's household when he made his appearance once more at his own abode the servants had indeed heard from dr lascelles as much as the physician himself had learnt through the medium of the vague and laconic letter which the earl was permitted to write to him from his dungeon but still the protracted absence of their master had occasioned them the most lively uneasiness and they were therefore heartily glad to behold his return but he was compelled to cut short the congratulations proffered him and the orders that he issued were given with an unwonted degree of impatience let the carriage be ordered round directly let someone hasten to acquaint lady hatfield with my return and also send up to grafton street to request dr lascelles to come hither as soon as possible and to wait for me never mind how late let this lad be taken care of he added indicating jacob and see that he wants for nothing then hastening upstairs to his own chamber he locked himself in having declined the attendance of his valet he tore open the packet which jacob had given him and beheld a small leathern case this case contained a roll of letters and other documents tied round with a piece of riband so faded that it was impossible to determine what its colour might have originally been there was also accompanying this roll a brief note addressed to himself with trembling hand he opened the note 
and with beating heart and tearful eyes read the following words i have sent you the papers my dear brother for so i shall make bold to call you still to convince you that i did not forge an idle tale when we met last whatever your motive for abandoning me in my last hours may be i entertain no ill feeling toward you on the contrary i hope that god may prosper you and give you long life to enjoy that title and fortune which in so short a time will be beyond the possibility of dispute i had promised to leave behind me a written narrative of my checkered and eventful history for your perusal but need i explain wherefore i have not fulfilled this promise t r the earl wept oh he wept plenteously as he read those lines he thinks that i have abandoned him and he expresses the most generous wishes for my prosperity he cried aloud oh my god i must save him i must save him he waited not to examine the roll of papers his half-brother intimated that the necessary proofs were there and though no human eye watched the earl's motions at that moment still he would not imply a doubt of rainford's word by examining the documents but he hastened to dress himself in attire suitable to his contemplated visit to the king and his toilette was completed just as the carriage drove round to the door a few minutes afterwards he was rolling along rapidly in the vehicle towards buckingham palace the papers carefully secured about his person and his heart palpitating violently with the cruel suspense of mingled hope and fear alas he was doomed to another disappointment though it was but little past eleven o'clock king george the fourth had already retired to rest or rather had been borne away in a senseless state from one of those beastly orgies in which the filthy voluptuary so often indulged this much was intimated to the earl by a nobleman attached to the royal person and with whom arthur was well acquainted quitting the palace in disgust combined with despair lord ellingham returned home but no we were wrong he did not entirely despair one hope of saving rainford's life one faint hope remained a hope so wild so extravagant and involving a chance with some fearful odds against it that it could only have been conceived by one who was determined to leave no means however difficult unadopted in order to attain a particular end on crossing the threshold of his door arthur's first inquiry was whether dr lascelles had arrived the reply was an affirmative and the earl hastened to the apartment to which the physician had been shown it is not however necessary to relate the particulars of their interview inasmuch as the nature of the conversation which passed between them will be developed hereafter end of section 53 recording by john brandon